Happy Mother's Day. Lee and I have, I think I know what fellowship meal would be like without the ladies. Steak. <laughs> Just the meat. That's all there would be. Just meat. But isn't it so good to have ladies, mothers, wives, and what you bring to our lives. And as I looked at the babies, young children up here this morning being dedicated to God, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And parents, let's treasure these precious souls that God has put into our care. They're not ours, but they're His. Let's invest well. I trust you have been blessed to be here this morning. And on this Mother's Day, I hope uh, we all have come out excited to bless the ladies in our lives and also to receive something from God. Back in 1850, Anne and Granville Jarvis were married. Jarvis. They had 11 children. Only four made it to adulthood. In the late 1800s, Anne really pushed for reconciliation from the Civil War. She tried to unite the mothers of the North and the South. She encouraged them to get together, to shake hands, to talk, to connect. And she prayed that someday someone would start a holiday to honor mothers. Her daughter heard that prayer. 1905, Anne dies. Two years later, in 1907, Anna, her daughter, had a memorial service for her. I think it actually was close to Philadelphia. A year later, the service kind of happened again, and Mother's Day took root. Because on the second Sunday of May is when Anne Jarvis would have passed away. So her daughter Anna wanted to commemorate her. Thus, Mother's Day came to be. 1914 was the first official holiday put in place by Woodrow Wilson. And people around the country and around the world set aside a day specifically to remember mom, their mothers. A couple years went by, less than 10 years later, Anna, who was pushing to set aside this day, this holiday for moms, started pushing against it, wishing she would have never started it because of the commercialization of this Mother's Day. Card companies, flower companies were starting to commercialize it and in it just for the money. And the real reason was losing its roots. So she fought against that, spent all her money, spent her, the rest of her life trying to turn back and do away with Mother's Day just because of how companies were taking it. They were losing sight of the purpose of the holiday. And incidentally, in the 1940s, she actually entered a mental asylum 
and died there a couple years later. She gave her life, dedicated her life to wanting moms to be remembered. That's the legacy that Anna Jarvis left. And today we are celebrating Mother's Day. And I think it's a good thing. But there is some dangers in getting caught up in just the flowers and the cards. There's so much more than that. And trust me, men or ladies need those flowers and cards. That means something to them. So do that. However, use that as a symbol of a deeper appreciation that we should show them. Maybe I should ask for a raise of hands who bought flowers before yesterday or bought their card before yesterday. Men, it is important that we do invest in those little things in our ladies' lives. My question this morning, what's your legacy? Anna devoted her life to inspiring others to remember their mom. That's kind of the legacy she gave. What is a legacy? Something that is passed on, a gift that is given to somebody else. Are you going to leave a legacy? A quick look at Mother's Day. Did you ever notice that it is singular in form? If you're into grammar or understand grammar, the apostrophe comes after the R, before the S, meaning it's one mom, mother. Okay? If it was to be plural, they would have the S and then the apostrophe on the outside. Therefore, Mother's Day is unique in the fact that it is special to individual mothers. It's not just the group collectively, but it's to one mom. We all have one mom. And thankful for the beauty of adoption, maybe some of us have two, but we all have one mom. And Mother's Day is supposed to be special in the fact that we go back to mom and remember what she did, is doing for us. And as a husband now, I get to help my daughters, they're still young to totally understand, but help them see the importance of honoring our mom, their mother. This morning, I want us to see the importance of a mother's legacy. So we value marriage. My title is, What's Your Legacy? A question for you moms before we jump in. Do you ever get tired or weary of the tasks that are required of you? No, yes. I'm pretty sure if we're all honest, we'll say yes. At some point, we get tired or weary of the demands that are placed on you. I see what Ruthie does for our family, and some days I'm amazed. Wow, how do you do all that? I can, for the most part, leave my work and come home. It's pretty much a 24-7 demand on our moms. I mean, as out of the kindergarten's mouth, you're making food for your husband. Does he ever stop eating? There's children who are demanding your attention 24-7. And my heart is with my wife at home, taking care of some needs at home this morning. There's food to be made, there's clothes, there's house, there's activities, there's school events to think about. 
so many different things, and it seems to never end. Does it ever feel like it's mundane, moms? Mundane meaning, oh, just the next day, here it comes again, the next day, and again. I hope that you've set things in your life that help keep it from getting mundane, but I think that could be the tendency, because sometimes you're just at home performing those tasks. It may seem mundane, but it's needed. I have one thing for you to focus on this morning, just one, that I think moms can focus on that will help them serve their families better. Now, before the dads and all the single ladies and youth uh, just sit back, oh, this not, is not for me, I have something for us too. So listen up as we look at a mother's legacy. And specifically, I ask you this morning, what's your legacy? And we're going to go to 1 Peter. So you may turn with me there to 1 Peter chapter 3. And God orchestrated it in a way that we get to move right into the next passage that talks about wives and husbands. So yes, dads, I have a little something for you this morning too. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Before we jump in, a little review. What's our theme going through 1 Peter? A lively hope. We got it. A lively hope. As we're working our way through 1 Peter, let's remember the lively hope that we have. As we saw in chapter 1, the hope of eternal life, that causes us to do what? Rejoice. That lively hope should cause us to rejoice. Secondly, we looked at a holy life. A holy life should cause us to desire the word. Ah, the sincere milk of the word. Then we looked at living stones. You are a living stone. You were taken from a dead rock to a living stone. And because of that, that gives us purpose. We have purpose in life. Out of that, Peter then goes into specifics. Since we have purpose, we need to be in submission. The last part of chapter 2 was respecting people in authority, living as servants. The life of a stranger is submission. So, that's the background. That's where we were in Peter. And now he continues addressing different parts of the family household. And next, he addresses the wives and the husbands. So follow along with me in 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold, and are putting, or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. 
Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And we'll stop reading there for now, and we're going to continue in verses 8 to 12 at the end. Wives, now's your time. Listen up. Peter addresses you specifically, and ladies in general, listen up. Be in subjection to your own husband. Subjection comes from the word submission. And it does not just say or mean doing everything your husband asks of you, but rather recognizing the authority structure that God has put in place, that you are under your husband to support him. If you can understand that, that helps with so much. Be in subjection to your husband. And then he says, and I think in the next, the next phrase, he's referring to men who are not Christians. He says, if any of them don't obey the word, because of your recognition of your submission to their authority, you may by that speak to them. Not with specific words that you say, but with your chaste conversation coupled with fear, as verse 2 says. What does chaste mean? Go home and do a word study on chaste. Look up what it means. Being in subjection. Understanding that you need to say things to bring respect to your husband. Coupled with fear. Again, it's pointing back to the recognition of authority. Words matter, ladies. A lot of men I talk to have a a love language of affirmation. They need to be affirmed in their leadership role. And ladies, you play an important part in giving your men that affirmation. And to illustrate this, Thankfully, I can use a story from my wife and how she did that to me. In the first month of our dating relationship, I realized that she supported me. The first year I taught school, I, there was a young girl in my class named Heather Seibel. About a month after uh, school let out in June, she passed away from a seizure. She was at a sixth grade, 12-year-old level. It was sad. They asked me to have a part in the funeral. And it was a couple weeks after I had started dating Ruthie, and of course I asked her to accompany me. She came along, and at the funeral that day, I was asked to lead the singing. I got up front, and in that moment of pressure, I said the wrong number. And I just sang away, and people were fumbling, trying to find the song, and I didn't even know what I did. We go home, and we, uh, the funeral was over. I take Ruthie home. She never said a word. She didn't even tell me what I did. It took my parents, get, uh, when I got home, they said, hey, did Ruthie tell you what she did at the funeral? No, what did I do? You said the wrong number up front. Oh, yeah. And then I thought about it. I do remember people scrambling to find the song. 
I went to ask Ruthie later. I said, did you know that I did that? Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. It was okay. Ah. Uh, do you know how much that meant to me? She didn't go home. Zach, you know you said the wrong number? I mean, get your act together. No. She quietly let it go. Ladies, pray for that discretion. Sometimes there's things that you just need to let go so you don't discourage your husband. That is speaking to them with a chase conversation. Knowing what things to bring up and what not to bring up. Ladies, I have a takeaway here. Communicate to respect, not to nag. Your husband is not going to respond well to nagging, but your husband will respond well when, you're, when you speak with respect for him. Ladies, your words matter. Okay, chaste conversation, something we can aspire for. Verse 3 then, Peter moves on to the next thing. Who's adorning? And ladies, I know we like beauty. And you like to look good and be beautiful. And that's what we like about you. As men, we like to see that desire for beauty. But Peter brings up a concern. He says, don't let it be the outward stuff that you focus on. The hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on of apparel. There's different things that we think look good. But rather, he says in verse 4, let it be the hidden man, the inward. That's where the real beauty comes from, ladies. Focus on the inward. Ah, oh, and as moms, if you can aspire to this, you can then be in a place to pass that on to your girls. Ah, oh, what a powerful place to be when beauty comes from within. Don't focus on the outward. Focus what's on the inside. But please, don't go around wearing an everyday dress every day. We like when you dress up, but have balance in it. Focus on the inward. And a lot of, another thing here, watch where you look for what is beautiful. Don't let the world determine what is beautiful. Be careful. Pinterest can be helpful sometimes. Ladies, your problem is sometimes comparing. You're beautiful for who you are and for what's inside. Don't compare. But rather focus on what's inside and look to your husband for that affirmation. And guys, let's give our ladies that affirmation. You are beautiful. You are I see beauty inside. Recognize that when you see it. Your words matter. Focus on the inward. And then he keeps on going. Peter doesn't want to let up. He says, ladies, I recognize that when you hear this, well, what should I say? Or what is real beauty? Look for role models that you can aspire after. And here he brings up the role model of Sarah. After this manner, there's been holy women from the Bible that you can look back. They trusted God. They put themselves, they adorned themselves with the submission to the authority of the structure that God put in place. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Wives, do you ever call your husband Lord? 
It's not a term we use today, but Sarah did that. And all she was saying was, Abraham, I recognize your leadership. I am under you. Your words, wives, should portray that attitude. What did Sarah do when she wanted to do her own thing? Remember what happened with Hagar when she wanted to have it her own way? Or when she heard she was having a child and she laughed in the tent? Yeah, we can learn some things from Sarah, ladies. But let's look back. There's, there are role models to look up to. And ladies, today, look for a lady that you can aspire after. Look for role models around you. All right, so that's what Peter says to the wives. Then he moves on to the husbands. And you might be thinking, okay, so Peter spends six verses, a couple sentences on the wives. Yeah, husbands might not have a big job. We just have one sentence. Is that what Peter's trying to get at? No. Peter understood that in the day of age they were in, the ladies had a struggle to recognize their authority. They were somebody special. In the Roman culture, it was often the men, and the ladies were placed low. But he was saying that, ladies, you do have a calling. You have a purpose. And maybe he was also recognizing that when you start talking to ladies, their mind go, goes quite a few places. So she, he's trying to rein them in. Men, our job is next. Listen up. Likewise, ye husbands, men, dwell with them according to knowledge. What does it mean to dwell? Be with them. Men, all your ladies want from you is for you just to be with them. They don't need you to fix anything. They just want you to give them a hug when they need it. Hold them when they need it. Give them words of affirmation when they need it. That's all they need from you. Guys, we, 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 we want to fix things. But all we need to do is be with them. That's simple, right? Dwell with them according to knowledge. And here it speaks to another thing. Really pursue them. Get to know them. We oft, it's often referred to, uh, after you get married, keep dating. Yes. Keep wanting to understand them. And guys, it may seem hard sometimes because one week you think one thing about your wife and the next week it might change. Okay, that hug didn't work out. No. But keep trying to understand them. That's what God calls us to. That's what Peter is asking us to do. That's what the ladies in our lives want of us. Next, giving honor to the wife. They care for them. Husbands, let's care. Understanding they are the weaker vessel and caring for their needs that arise and viewing them as an heir with us, we're equal. They're our counterpart. They are equal with us. Remember that as we lead our ladies, our wives. I gave a sentence for the wives. Communicate to respect, not to nag. Guys, let's communicate to know not to fix. Communicate to know our wives and not to fix. And this next uh, phrase, the last part of verse 7, 
men, husbands, is an important part. If we dwell with them according to knowledge, recognizing they're the weaker vessel, we need to do that so our prayers be not hindered. Our marriage relationship affects, can affect our spiritual relationship with God. Do you lead your wife spiritually, men? How you relate with your wife affects your relationship with God. Let's lead our wives in prayer on a daily basis. It's important and it's needed. So Peter is calling to the wives and to the husbands. And now, I said I was going to give you one thing, ladies, this morning that matters. As you think about, as we want to honor you this morning, and we recognize that you have a big job, and we say thank you for that. But what's going to affect your family the most is one thing, ladies, and that's your marriage. I want you to think about your marriage, husbands and wives this morning. A community will only be as strong as its families. Strive for strong family units. If we can have strong family units, strong marriages, that will pass on a legacy that our children can take because marriage is a representation of God. Do you know that? God has feminine and male attributes. The mercy and the grace and the love that comes from the ladies, the leadership and the fixed things, they come from God. So when we have thriving marriages, we reveal to our children a proper image of who God is. Wow. That should humble us as parents. The best thing you can give your children is a thriving marriage. God's number one purpose for creating marriage was to reflect his image. Moms, you ever struggle to know how to discipline your children or care for your children? When is it okay to say, no, that can wait, or actually take care for their needs? Let me relieve you of something. You should strive, strive to do well in that area, in leading your family. However, recognize that you're not going to be perfect. And the best thing that you can show your children is a love for your husband, a respect for him. That will speak more. The, ch- the children will see past your imperfections in discipline, whatever it may be, and they will see you portraying a love for, for dad that's going to speak volumes. Your marriage is going to make the most difference in your children's lives. There is stability when mom and dad are in love. Remember that. Communicate often. Time with just the two of you is so important. Get a babysitter. Grandparents are often glad to babysit. Look for people in the church. Take time for just the two of you. The more you strengthen your relationship, the stronger your family will be. Another thing, conflict is is good. If you deal with it. This past month has been good for my wife and myself. About a month ago, we attended a marriage seminar, and there they said that you need to communicate. You need to share what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and talk it through. We tried that. 
and me and my wife tend to both be people pleasers, and so we don't often bring up how we're truly feeling. And there's been a couple times this past month where we did that. And I tell you what, when you actually understand what the other person is thinking, life is glorious. You can argue and still get along. I say that this morning, brothers and sisters. Communicate. Conflict can be good when we talk about it. Show your children that you and your wife love each other. There's power in that. Now, wives and husbands, I was talking to you. Everyone, I'm sure you're sitting here thinking, okay, what's in this for me? Do you see some of those things in your parents? Have they blessed you with a strong marriage relationship? You can say, wow, they showed me a part of who God is. I trust that's the case. If not, days like this may bring pain. Maybe it's death, separation from a loved one. Maybe it's understanding that my parents, your parents may have not invested in you like they should have or portrayed a proper image of God. Days like this can be hard, but that's okay. Maybe it's being childless, wanting a child but not. That's okay. You still have a purpose. And as we looked at this proper image of marriage, grieve the pain that you may have, but don't dwell there long. And instead, turn your focus outward. Older parents, invest in your children. Pass on to them, your grandchildren, a proper image of who God is through your marriage. Maybe it's the childless or the singles. Offer a helping hand to families that you see. You have a purpose in this beautiful picture of marriage to pass on a legacy to children. We need you. And the young, take notes. Your marriage is coming. Turn with me to verse uh, 8 now in 1 Peter chapter, th- chapter 3. I'm going to quickly read verses 8 to 12. Finally, now he's addressing all the Christians. Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love his brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You are living stones. You have purpose. Peter calls you to be under authority, to be servants. He calls the wives and husbands to work together in unity. And finally here, he calls us all. Be of one mind. Have compassion. Love the brothers around you. Have pity towards them that are in need. Be courteous. Don't bring back evil for evil because of things you've faced in your past. Let it go, but rather bring blessing because if you love life, you're going to refrain from evil. You're going to hate evil. You're going to do good. And brothers and sisters, the Lord's eyes 
are watching us all. And it's a good thing. He's going to see those things that we're doing to bring purpose as living stones. Moms, the Lord is seeing the mundane activities that you do throughout the week. He sees that. Rejoice in that. And I trust that you can be honored this morning. Those of us who have parents still living, let's honor them today. Husbands and wives, let's remember that a strong marriage is the legacy that we want to pass on to our children. Focus on that. And that will reap rewards. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this Mother's Day. And I pray that mothers here this morning could feel special. Help us as men, husbands, to honor them like we should. And as we saw here in 1 Peter, the importance of wives and husbands living together, I pray that moms and dads here could focus on making their marriage strong in a culture where we tend to really lift up the children's needs. Help us to find a balance in all of that and focus on loving our spouse so we can give them a good glimpse into God's picture of who you are. I pray that you could honor the mothers here this morning. 